0: Hey, bowlers, you are listening to Bull After Bowl, episode 13 on Saturday October 25th 2014
1: i smoke smoking
2: bowl after bowl,
0: and I smoke
2: bowl after bowl after bowl after bowl
0: after bowl after ball bowl. and I smoke bowl after
2: bowl after
0: Well, hey everyone, we're back, finally, after a long drought. Uh, I'm Spencer Pearson.
3: And I'm Lorian Rose. Uh,
0: We're bringing the show back after a long summer of hiatus. Uh, We got a new studio set up, we got uh, new stuff to talk about, kind of getting excited about the show again. Um,
3: Yeah, and I'm going to be co-hosting from now on, so...
0: Yeah, we liked uh, the download numbers on Lorian's episodes, so uh, she really brings something cool to the table, and... You know, I can't just do this all on my own. Really, it would be a boring show. No one wants to just listen to one person going <laughs> on and on. So uh, we'll give you a little bit of updates about uh, the new things that are going on on the next show. Uh, but we figure that people really want to hear about this uh, council meeting. People be, want to be brought up to speed on what happened at the council meeting last Monday night. So, Lorian, you did a story way before any of this council meeting or anything. You've done stories even over the summer at the Missourian. On this ordinance, can you just give us a little bit of background of uh, what you found out on that?
3: Right, sure. Um, I was a Cannabis Beat reporter at the Missourian last spring, um, and I ended up working pretty close with the Show Me Cannabis group and Dan Veitz. And um, Veitz proposed this ordinance with uh, Councilwoman Barbara Hoppy, and what the ordinance Was set up to do is to decriminalize possession of up to six marijuana plants. Um, Medical patients would get a fine for it, recreational users, uh, obviously, the stuff would uh, be taken away, but they would just get a larger fine. Uh, No one would be subject to arrest under decriminalization, and uh, you know. Uh, Right now, if you get caught with a marijuana plant, it's counted as manufacturing distribution, so you get a felony. And that's a pretty harsh penalty, you know, once that's on your criminal record, there's no...
0: Right, and Barbara, she kind of explained uh, her ideology on it at the meeting, but basically, as the law stands, uh, we've decriminalized, since 2004, the voters passed in Columbia to decriminalize 35 grams or less of marijuana, so the mere possession of it, uh, you're referred to the city and you get a certain fine and they also recommend suspending imposition of sentence, which means, uh, that no sentence really is actually given. Uh, you're given a probationary period. And if you're clean during that probationary period, then, um, you know, there's no technical sentence. You weren't, there's no true conviction. Uh, it's not on your record, all of those things, which are really important because, uh, you know obviously you don't want all that legal trouble to follow you around and not uh, be able to get a job because you you know you have a felony on your record so the the idea was to take the same approach here um that we've had with the DCRAM since 2004 and just kind of give everyone some extra protection not force them to go to the black market to acquire this cannabis but to uh be able to just grow a, a meager amount for personal use and that was the six plants which uh, at the meeting they amended down to two plants, and then um, ultimately they did not pass this. So uh, we're going to give you kind of some clips, a play-by-play of the the meeting itself. Well,
3: before we do that, the meeting, um, the entire city council meeting was six hours long, (laughs) which is the same as a standard school day, kind of ridiculous. Uh, We didn't stay for the whole meeting, but we stayed for all three hours of the marijuana debacle. (laughs) And um, it's kind of interesting because there were a lot of meetings prior to this one where there were opportunities for public comments. Um, The Board of Health gave their opinions on it. They met with some other, I think, law enforcement groups talked. Um, And so this has been, this ordinance was talked about for almost a year before Monday night when they were going to vote on it. And what really shocked me was it seemed like many of the council people had day one questions as if they were still very unfamiliar with this ordinance and what it implied. Absolutely. Um. So, yeah, just pay attention to that in the clips, I guess.
0: And uh, throughout all these clips, so we have uh, not only we have, they started out by asking uh, Chief Burton questions and then um, then the public comment, we have 13 of, the over twenty commenters, um, I think there might have been over thirty. Actually, there was a lot of public comment, and we just kind of pulled relevant clips from both sides. But you know, uh, when the public comment started, McDavid, Mayor McDavid, asked that testimony not be repeated. But it seemed, especially from the other side, that there was so much repetition, so many people saying the same thing over and over, uh, especially from prohibitionists, whose main uh, concern was that this. Um, law was different than what the state law is, but we'll get to that, uh, when it comes up. So actually we'll probably get to that right now on chief Burton. Um, so they called up chief Burton and he sort of, uh, gave his thoughts on the issue that, you know, there was a conflict with state law. So let's just listen to him. Tell it to you.
4: I think it puts our police officers in a very, very difficult position (laughs) when they're looking on the one hand as something as a felony um, in every other uh, state or every every other city in the city of Missouri, in the state of Missouri, and we're treating it as a misdemeanor. So uh, I'm asking that you not put us in that position and uh, give the state an opportunity to address the issue or even better, the federal government.
0: So he's saying that – you'd want to take this and, you know, go to Jeff City with it and pass a statewide ordinance or statewide law, or you'd want to go to the federal government, which, you know, this is such a grassroots movement, the legalization movement. It's people, regular-ass people working, you know, minimum-wage jobs who do- who are living in a rent-to-day, paycheck-to-paycheck apartment. Um, you know, most of us don't have the kind of political clout and the financial access to be able to go lobby a national, or let alone a, st- a national law, but even a state law. you know, That's something that takes a lot of money, a lot of know-how, and these little city-by-city uh, p- uh, ordinances that we can get passed just at a grassroots level, that's something that we can actually do. That's something that we can take into our own hands gather the signatures in our own communities and send a message to Jeff City send a message to the US government hey you know when you come to Columbia, we don't play that way we don't we don't throw people in the in a jailhouse for 5 to 15 years because they got a couple plants we don't do that you might do that in the state you might do that in the in, at the national level but we're not doing that here and um as much confusion that there was at this at this council meeting between people on just that point alone uh, it was really frustrating because why even have a city government why even have city laws why have a city police force if the laws can't be different if the laws aren't enforced different why not just have the federal government's police everywhere why don't we why aren't we you know united states city hall and everywhere is just united states the reason is because it's a laboratory of innovation all of these 50 different states are unique all these thousands and thousands of cities are unique And so, you know, that was a frustrating point for me, trying to sit through all of that.
3: Definitely. Now, Columbia made national news when they decriminalized uh, marijuana. Um, And having the J school at its disposal, it's no surprise that Columbia tends to get into national news. It tends to get more coverage. So I think it is sad. It's a shame that um, our city leaders, city officials aren't willing to be role models on marijuana legalization. They're not willing to, you know, take the first few steps and, like, be make Columbia one of the first cities.
0: The saddest part to me is not only are they not willing, but they believe they don't have that power. They've been convinced by the prohibitionists and by the police that they don't have the power to lessen penalties through the city. So, you know, as frustrating as this meeting was... Chief Burton's still up there on the stand, right? And then Scala busts in and asks a procedural question. Because Scala wants to take this amendment, uh, which, you know, you will hear a lot from the mayor, was one ordinance with two sections. Um, (laughs) And the sections were, first, the medical marijuana section, and second, the uh, just regular recreational use section. So Scala wanted to be able to add cultivation to the medical section and vote down the uh recreational section. He wanted to be able to do that. Now, throughout these three hours, uh, they couldn't really figure out how to actually get that done. However, uh, and you know, you'll hear clips about it, but the the amount of time, you know, you guys gotta thank us for going to these meetings and pulling <laughs> out the shit yeah. and just giving you uh, you know, the bare bones presentation of this. Because this you would have had to listen to mayor mcdavid saying this a hundred times and this was over like 25 minutes take a listen i
5: think this is one ordinance there are two separate amendments that we have one ordinance b7414 which has two two. parts but so it's one ordinance that we're voting on the ordinance has got two parts in it let me clarify this we have an ordinance proposal b7414 it involves two sections Because you have two parts to this ordinance. You have an ordinance that has two sections to it. You have an ordinance which clearly has two sections in it.
6: We have an ordinance that that that
5: has two sections. Let me just say, I think everyone was correct. (laughs) Well, everyone is obviously (laughs) not correct. We have an ordinance with two sections. Because you have one ordinance with two sections in it.
0: So yeah, you hear the city attorney cut in there and say, uh, "I believe everyone was right, which was correct." So these people have been arguing with each other for about <laughs> twenty-five to thirty minutes, and everyone who seems to be arguing, they're all saying the same thing, uh, and it's all procedural nonsense. It's it's nothing to do with the bill itself. It's just about you know how the vote's going to go down, and well, you know. How the ordinance is one ordinance with two amendments with two sections to it, yeah, so clearly we got the message through, and it only took twenty five thirty minutes um okay. you know, excuse me, so uh Dan Veets was the first public testimony, and they opened up the floor to Dan uh Dan was the one you know who kind of drafted this law in the first place and kind of took it under his wing, so Hoppy was the one that proposed it, uh, but they worked together on the law, and uh so here's sort of part of his testimony. … where he sort of voices his frustration too with the um, – with people uh, who don't have legal authority claiming you know, about this conflict from state and local law.
6: You know, there have been a lot of questions raised in recent days and weeks that we could have answered months ago. You know, this thing has been discussed for over a year now. You know, we have heard a lot of opinions I know you all are hearing from various people who tell you things, like Laura just mentioned, somebody told her this cockamamie theory. We're not hearing this, frankly, I'll tell you, we're not hearing this from lawyers. Everybody's entitled to his or her opinion. But I haven't heard any legal authority for all of these various theories. It doesn't matter that you think the city can't make a city ordinance violation out of something that's a felony. You think that because it kind of seems like a gut feeling. That doesn't matter. Frankly, folks, I've practiced law in this area for 28 years. I went to law school. Barbara went to law school. We've been criminal defense lawyers for 28 years. We don't go on gut feelings. The courts rule based on legal authority. That consists of one of three things generally. That is, there's either a law, a statute, or a constitutional provision. There's a rule that some administrative agency that's authorized to do it promulgated. Or there's a case that says, by golly, you can't do this. And none of that exists. None of that exists. You know, one of the interesting things that's come up during this discussion is that every single member of this council, Agrees. I believe. I I hope I'm not misstating, but I think every single member of this council has been quoted saying that the marijuana laws need to be changed. They either need to be decriminalized or flat-out legalized. Everybody agrees with that. You all know that this proposal, these amendments, have a great deal of support in this community. The League of Women Voters has endorsed this. You all got a letter from the League endorsing this. The Columbia Daily Tribune, uh, George Kennedy at the the Missourian has endorsed it, the NAACP unanimously, and the Boone County Libertarian Party unanimously endorsed this. The Missouri Association for Social Welfare and the Missouri Civil Liberties Association, whose board I chair, have all endorsed this proposal. It has a great deal of support. It is true that if a sheriff's deputy or a highway patrolman uh, arrests someone in the city, they choose to violate our law, which says when any law enforcement officer suspects one of possession, they should follow the city ordinance. They violate it, but here's the important point. Almost all of these deputies and highway patrol arrests come out of traffic stops. Traffic stops. There's almost never I've never ever heard in twenty eight years of a garden in a car, you know? And that's what it would take. I've I I have never once
0: please. Yeah, and then you got McDavid banging on his gavel any time there's any noise going on, anytime there's any laughter or clap or oh man this is so frustrating <laughs> to sit through, but you hear Vets right there hammering on all the points that we've been talking about about you know you guys you're a city council who have gone on the record saying our laws need to be changed. which laws can you change the city laws that's why you're the city council, so change the city laws <laughs> how How hard is this Is this difficult is this this is difficult for our city council or at least at least the majority of our city council. You know, four out of seven of our city council. It's difficult for four out of seven of them. Anyway, we'll let Dan finish up here.
6: In 28 years of representing students at the University of Missouri, never once heard of a case where somebody was growing pot in a dorm room. Never, ever. And we don't envision that happening uh, if this ordinance passes.
0: So there he uh, brought up that he's never had a case of students growing in the dorms and You know, frankly, I've never heard of it either. That would probably be one of the dumbest things you could do is to grow weed in a dorm room. Um,
3: I'm not sure how you would do it either. Uh, Growing marijuana seems like a pretty difficult process. I mean, the
0: lights that you would have to buy alone, there's no way, and the smell, you wouldn't be able to keep that a secret (laughs) on your dorm floor, you know? With BAs coming in during Thanksgiving break to snoop around and see, you know, what's going on in your room. And, you know, everyone talks about And, you know, we'll get into more of it as we go on here, but they bring up the students. The students are policed by MUPD who can, you know, go by state law. And one – Steve Concanon, we'll actually get to him. uh, He even asks, you know, how should I advise my students? You should tell them that they can't have pot in the dorms. Like, no, 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 no. Even with the decrim, even with everything, no pot in the dorms. It's illegal still. and. Uh, to, to pretend that under uh, a lesser penalty for this, you wouldn't know how to give them advice. You wouldn't know what the advice was. This is such a mixed signal that everyone's going to be so confused. We don't even know what to advise our students. Then you're an idiot. Then you're incompetent. Then you then you shouldn't be a friggin' lawyer. <laughs> We're going to get now to uh, Eep and Thampy, uh, our good friend, and you know uh, he's on uh, Americans for Forfeiture Reform and uh, many other... Many other good causes in town, so uh even kind of talks about uh this whole state issue and kind of i like I like his point at the very end it's a very confident you know pass this ordinance and I'll take care of the state thing you know we're working on it, mayor, but you guys can do something on the city level tonight like basically he's saying you know you guys are telling us to go to Jeff city you guys are telling us to go to the federal government we're doing that we're doing that t- as well, and you know people make the point of. Well, government slow, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yes it is, and we're struggling at state and national levels as we speak. Every friggin' day there's something going on at the state level, at the national level. Fundraising, education, all these different things. This show today is a piece of that, you know, then it's going to go online. People are going to listen to it. All of this is everyday effort by the grassroots community around legalization. And uh, even makes a great point at that, saying, you know uh, – Pass this ordinance tonight, and I'll try to get your officers out of that situation because I will pass state legislation in Jeff City.
1: The last time I spoke to you, I addressed the issue of black market violence, and the simple reality is that some of the demand in Colombia for marijuana is demand from the sick and the dying. And in the black market, it's a place that attracts violent criminals. It's a place that uh, where violence is endemic. If by passing this ordinance you can diminish some of that market demand. You can let the poor and the sick and the dying cultivate a meager amount of marijuana for the uh, needs that they have uh, most. I believe that you'll see a corresponding decrease in black market violence. Now, Ken makes a fair point. We put his officers in a tough place between state and federal law. But I believe that if we save one life, if one young man, probably black, is not shot in the next year over a botched marijuana deal, or one customer or one patient is not uh, held at gunpoint, I believe that ultimately will keep his officers doing what they should be doing, which is protecting the property and the, and the, and the safety of, of Colombians. And, and I pledge to you that you know, if you guys go ahead and pass this ordinance, send that signal to Jefferson City, where they will be seriously examining medical marijuana and full legalization in the next year. If you do send that signal to Washington, D.C., I'll work as hard as I can to make sure that Ken's tough, tough space for his officers lasts as short as it can. So I think the problem with these politicians is they want
0: it both ways. They want to say, well, we support this. They want to say, you know, that we represent you. They want to say, we believe what you believe. But they don't want to do anything. They don't want to actually make a move. They don't want to put their name on the line. They don't want to put their job on the line. They don't want to put any risk up. They tell you, go to state, go to Jeff City, go to Washington, D.C. But, you know, what do I take there? What, do I just bring myself I can't go to the state, go to Washington, D.C. with your ordinance that you passed in this city saying, you know, my city's already done it. You know, what kind of help are you, city council members who voted against this measure, but tell us, you know, go to the state? What help are you?
3: And I really wish they were doing their research, you know, looking into Colorado and Washington statistics. It's been a while since uh, marijuana was legalized in Colorado, yeah, about a year now,
0: mm-hmm. almost. All, all this year, yeah.
3: All this year. And so statistics, you know, crime rates are dropping. And all last year, too, I All believe. these studies are coming out because Colorado was the first state to legalize marijuana. And so it's being looked at. But our councilmen and women just didn't seem to do any other homework.
0: So uh our next person is Mitchell Moore and we've kind of like clipped the names and addresses out. So um Mitchell Moore and was he the attorney? I believe he's the attorney who um even kind of addressed the black market violence and that was the whole point of this ordinance was to say, you know, if you want to minimize your legal risk and not interact with a drug dealer and also minimize, you know, your violence risk. You can grow t- two plants, six plants, whatever, in your friggin' closet so that you don't have to go to someone who is dangerous, who's trying to sell you other drugs, who's trying to, you know, who's dealing with, you know, all this fucking, you don't know what. You don't know who's at his house. You don't know what he's actually giving you in the bag, if it's good, if it's bad, if it's laced, all of that kind of thing. So the whole point was to sort of help people, you know, keep people safe. Safety was in mind here, not legalization. Just safety, just normal common sense policy. Uh, So here's Mitchell Moore.
7: I've been on the Substance Abuse Advisory Commission since 1989, 25 years. And as a member of the Substance Abuse Advisory Commission, I voted to recommend passage of this ordinance. And to follow up with what the last gentleman just said, we had a joint meeting with the Board of Health, and uh, the assistant prosecutor was expected to make it, but that prosecutor had a murder trial. And the murderer was convicted, and the Tribune reported the, the assistant prosecutor as saying, the defendant got in that car and shot the victim. Because he didn't want to pay for some marijuana, so what he talks about cutting the the link between uh, a, a dealer and, and a consumer, it had very real consequences in this town very recently
0: so there you have uh, you know a local guy talking about a local case where a guy got shot and killed over a bad weed deal, and he's saying, you know with this ordinance, there wouldn't be a bad weed deal. you'd be walking down to the basement to get your weed you wouldn't have to be dealing with these uh, drug dealers who were who could who could shoot you.
3: Yep, it would be an attack on the black market.
0: It would be, and that's the only people uh, the, the children wouldn't be hurt by this. The the only the cops would not be hurt by this. The only people that were going to actually be hurt by this passage the passage of an ordinance like this are drug dealers. And yet, it couldn't find support on the city council. Uh, here's Steve McCann, who I mentioned earlier. He's a he's a lawyer at uh, MU Legal Services, who. You know, is just one of these prohibitionists on this confusion train, on this, you know, you're not smart enough to know the law, basically. All these people, the prohibitionist's best argument was a poor one in that you're too dumb to know the law, basically.
4: I would like to ask the council to consider what an attorney would tell a student that came into them and said, can I have two plants of marijuana in my room? Now no. I heard that it wasn't a conflict, but I would beg to differ. I would beg to differ strongly. RMU police <laughs> officers.
0: I mean, you would tell them no, right? Right. You would tell them no.
3: It's a day one lesson when you move into the dorms. I mean, they go over it with you in your head like five times. Let they me have just, freshman orientation.
0: Let me just back this up because this is a lawyer. That Some of you at the, at the university might be paying this guy for legal advice. Listen to this guy.
4: I would like to ask the counsel to consider what an attorney would tell a student that came into them and said, can I have two plants of
0: marijuana in my room? Well, I'll tell you, MU Normal tells you f- no, absolutely not, no. Uh, everyone who I know who gives legal advice on this kind of subject already knows that answer is absolutely no, unless you want to take a huge risk, unless you want to put all of your – future schooling at risk, it's already against MU policy, it's against state law, it's against federal law, it's against all these laws. Are you kidding me? The answer is no. Now, I heard that it wasn't a
4: conflict, but I would beg to differ. I would beg to differ strongly. Our MU police officers are state-commissioned officers. If someone tells you that that's not a violation of 195.211, I wouldn't understand that that's still a class B felony. What would you have me advise the student if you were to pass this? It's still a class B felony. There's still a state officer at their door.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you get it, you know? He gets it. The, the law would not change that at all. Passage of this law does not change those facts that he just stated. So, what where where is the confusion? Yes, you know, uh if you know, this law isn't for students. To be able to grow pot in their dorms—that's not what the intent of the law was. The intent of the law was to protect people who don't interact with the student population, who don't interact with drug dealers in town, who don't interact with anything, who are sick and dying, and they don't know how to get weed, but they could maybe grow it in their basement privately. That's all this was all about. And so, to try and misconstrue, try and misconstrue this as—you know—and these would all be fair points. And I think that uh, Jake Loff makes that point later on. These would all be fair points if we were talking about legalization, but we're not. It's, it's simply taking the sentence that we give as a city to a certain offense and lessening that sentence. That's it. Nothing else. Uh, the next speaker after Steve uh, that we clip was Gene Eckhart, so here, here he is.
8: My name is Jean Eckhart. I've lived in Columbia for about, on and off, for about nine years. And the reason I'm here today is because uh, this is very personal to me right now. A few days ago, uh, my sister was told that she had used the last possible chemotherapy treatment to be effective fighting her cancer. And now she's just waiting to die. It could take six months or a year. And there's really not much hope for her, but... She has used uh, medical marijuana, and it has been effective. And it makes me very upset when somebody tells me, who's probably never even smoked a joint before, that this is not medicine. Because we know it is medicine. It's highly effective medicine. It's extremely effective in pain management. Extremely effective. We see this every day when it's available. There have been studies that suggest that marijuana actually slows the advancement of cancer. This is what I'm interested in. I'm interested in getting treatment to my sister as fast as I can without risking going to jail, which is what we do. If I help my sister, I'm a criminal. In our current paradigm, what do I do? I ask you to think this is not a, just a political thing. This is like real people. Real people needing real solutions and knowing for themselves what their solutions are, not being needed to be told by the federal government that it's okay. Our federal government, who considers marijuana as a, as a class one drug equal to heroin or LSD, it's not, a rational, it's not a rational government that we have. And I certainly don't think we want to start this at the top. We need to start it at the bottom. We have real people living real lives, having real problems. That's all I have to say. Thank you. Thank you.
0: So, I mean, that guy is the target demographic of this law right there. Mm -hmm. You see a guy in Colombia, one of their constituents. That is who this law was written for.
3: Yeah, and these are the peaceful patriots, really. Um, I mean, the Declaration of Independence tells readers that if the government isn't doing all it can to secure your unalienable rights— which is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, then you should have the right to petition it or abolish it.
0: That's absolutely right. And, you know, this, this, uh, this guy makes all the fair points. You know, you're telling us to go up to the top. The top, the federal government, is the craziest of all the governments. It's the most out of whack of all the governments. Right. Has anyone been paying attention to the national politics for the last... Christ, 40 decades. It's madness. It's all a money game, a profit game. How are you going to chip away at that as your average citizen, as a guy whose sister is sick now, who needs help now, who has maybe a year left? You going to try and get that law passed in maybe a year left? No, absolutely not. You know? Right. And so this is something, this law, this was a huge opportunity for those city council people to do their job and help this guy. And help people like this guy right here and his sister. And they've totally failed us. they failed us, uh, you know. And I don't want to paint the whole city council bad. And we'll get into, you know, the real root of the problem here. But, uh, you know, this this whole gutless city council people thing has got to go. You know, these aren't effective leaders for us. These are people who just want to be popular and get elected again and stay, you know, La la la, nice feely feely. You know, that's not that's not what we need right now when our government is so fucked, so broken, that the status quo must go. It's not going to work for us any longer. So here's Kim Dude, a prohibitionist in town, prevention specialist, and uh, she was so...
3: Well, Kim's from the University of Missouri. Right. Um, she works... There as a prevention specialist, I believe.
0: And, you know, these these are the kind of people that are paid to uh, keep people, you know, in- institutionalized and keep people on medication. And, you know, it's just a piece of the whole profit mechanism that keeps the war on drugs fueled. These people are profiting from the war on drugs. Their job is part of the fight on the war on drugs. And so you know her testimony compelled me to get up and say what I said about you know watching for that profit motive when you listen to these people but let's hear let's hear what Kim Dude has to say for the prohibitionist argument Good evening my name is Kim Dude Lammy
2: been a prevention specialist for over 30 years so I'm not giving you my gut feeling I'm giving you my feeling based on years of experience based on years of profiting <laughs> from uh, this treatment At the public hearing We had the Chief of Columbia Police, Chief of Campus Police, and a Boone County Sheriff, all three of which (coughs) said we would still have to arrest people because it's against state law. So you have a variety of experts that are telling you this is not a good idea. Every one of these groups had publicly stated that the ordinance goes against state law and should not be passed. Why would you not listen to those advisors? They have nothing to gain from their input.
0: Except their jobs, except their salary, except money.
2: Other than to inform you.
0: Oh, yeah, and to inform you.
2: The or- that's my first point. My second point would be that this ordinance would confuse people, especially our students. It would give them a false sense of security. When they think of marijuana decriminalization, they truly in their eyes think it is, in fact, legal.
3: This is a recurring theme in this meeting, that, that students are stupid and unaware of their rights and, you know, the rules of campus. And I think this is offensive. I find this extremely offensive as a college student that you think I have the intelligence of a kindergartner that can barely follow directions. I mean, seriously, you get freshman orientation. You have a rule book on your dorm desk when you walk into the place Uh, You know, there's posters on the halls of the classes and stuff. Even if you don't live on campus, you're filled with the rules and regulations and policies of campus in everyday college life.
0: And what do they say about weed? Do they say, hey, in Columbia, weed's legal. Don't worry about it. No, never,
3: never. They say, don't get caught on campus. They say,
0: illegal drugs and alcohol are not allowed in your dorm rooms. Do they not?
3: You'll be expelled. You'll be expelled. You'll face
0: expulsion. You'll face, you know, prosecution it's no secret and none of those would just get changed overnight just like none of those changed overnight in 2004 right? when right. the original decrim passed you know and I tell you Kim dude said the same thing in 2004 and whoever the chief of police then probably said something even worse in 2004 <laughs> and all of these same arguments were made in 2004 that never came true and yet here right. we are 10 years later and and you're too stupid you're too stupid. That's why we can't pass this law, because the students are too stupid, because the public is too stupid. How insulting is that?
3: I, they're just projecting. They're the ones that don't understand it, you know? Absolutely. So.
0: It, I, my
2: third point is it will give the perception that it is socially acceptable to smoke pot and that our community condones its use. This will result in an increase by young people. There's no doubt about that. But most important, the FDA approval process is rigorous, and it's not a popular vote. So I frankly don't care what people think on whether or not it should be legal.
0: Aha! Now there's the truth, right? She does not care what you think. And that is sort of indicative of the whole problem. These people don't care. These people are my way or the highway on it, you know? And These
3: people also don't smoke pot or know anyone that needs it medically, absolutely. clearly.
0: I mean, I've heard the same lies my whole life. And when I tried pot in high school, I was like, yeah, I wanted to rebel. I was pissed because I was like, this is it. This is what, you know, people have been hiding from me this whole time. Like, how dumb is this? How stupid (laughs) am I to believe what these people say? And then, yeah, well, it's going to make me not want to listen to anything else you say, you know, like the, the the whole save the children thing is so incredibly stupid, because if you were just honest with the children. And told them the truth about all these things and then let them, you know,
3: make become, a,
0: become adults and then make their own decisions when they're adults, you know, enforce your rules in your, in your own home when your kids are kids. And then when they're adults, they will be better equipped to go make the real decisions instead of just saying, oh, pot's dumb, pot's bad, pot's this and that, you know, that doesn't tell us anything.
3: Right. I mean, as adults, we have to. We're the only ones that can save ourselves.
0: So, but it comes back to that 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 problem that she just said that she doesn't, frankly, does not care what you think. She doesn't care what you think. So, how are you gonna how are you gonna have a a, a debate and get anywhere with someone who just says that they, they don't care what you think? It is a medical issue. It is a scientific
2: issue. There are over five hundred different chemical compounds in every marijuana cigarette. Some of those compounds are healthy. Some of those really do help. But they're individual compounds that are put into pills that people can take if they have chemotherapy and they're getting sick. But they are, so a person could take a pill and have the same effects
0: that medical marijuana could have.
3: So why aren't people getting these pills? Where are the THC pills for the cancer patients? Well, I'll
0: tell you, there is Marinol, you know, and that's FDA approved. And that's, I think, the only FDA approved cannabis medicine. But it's Marinol. And patients report that, it does okay, especially for, you know, uh, increasing appetite, but that, you know, the side effects are crazy that it makes you too high, too dizzy that, you know, natural cannabis, especially like a, a light infused cannabis oil, high CBD, low THC is what they're really looking for. And, you know, mother nature gave us this plant that comes from a seed that is such a natural remedy for so many different things that you have you know it's it's incredible to me and you know i'll be honest with you when when i was a freshman in college and i was first getting interested in all this legalization stuff and i heard about medical cannabis you know i thought whatever sure like however we can do it whatever but when you meet the people who have actually been affected by this when you meet a man who shows you his arms where his tumor scars were where he said i rubbed cannabis oil on this after my doctors told me i was done for and the tumors fell, I pulled my tumors out by the root after three weeks of cannabis medicine. It's a different fucking ball game then. It's a completely different ball game when you're talking to the people who it actually affects and you're like, Wait, you know, this isn't just some BS to get it through, to get it passed. This is real people. Like the guy said earlier, these are real people, these are real conditions, this is real medicine. And all we wanna be able to do is use our medicine. And this is uh, what Kim Dude is saying is a total big pharma cop-out of, what well, we have to isolate so that we have to, you know, isolate the little part of the drug and then patent it and then sell it at a massive profit and FDA approval and all this shit because they can't patent just a plant that grows from a seed on the ground. That's no good. Lettuce, some grass, man. You're going to patent that? You're going to make a bunch of money off of that? Well, you can if it's illegal, and that's why they keep it illegal. It's ridiculous. You... So yeah, that I mean, you can tell that that got my blood boiling. That's when I had to. Act, I didn't. Pre- I didn't plan to come and talk at this meeting. I didn't plan to say something. But more often than not, when I'm at these meetings and they open up the floor, something just gets me to stand up and I can't not talk. You know. You want to take a good look at some expert testimony that might have a uh, political or profit motive to tell you a certain thing especially when you talk about so-called substance abuse and addiction treatment, I want to point out that less than 15 percent, and this is according to the – National Department of Health and Human Services numbers. Less than 15% of people in, in addiction recovery programs for marijuana treatment, less than 15% of those are voluntary. Most of those are referred to to take care of a legal case, to take care of getting in trouble, getting caught. It's very rare to see someone check themselves into rehab because they just can't stop smoking marijuana. And I think that it's important to take that in consideration the profit motive that lies behind keeping people behind bars or in these rehab programs paying money. Um, when it just isn't necessary. And so, yeah, the, the number I kind of tried to stand up and drive home was less than 15% of these people in these addiction programs aren't there because they need to get off pot and they went for help. They're there because a judge told them to go. They're there because they got caught with something they wanted to do, with something they wanted to have, with something that they paid their money for to get, and then they got caught, and because a law is one way, and because, you know, this unjust law is on the books, now they have to go to this addiction treatment program and they have to be treated like an addict. When well, most of these people are not addicts, they just smoke pot. And right. it's completely ridiculous. It's like if if you got caught, say Starbucks was illegal. Say coffee, all caffeine was illegal in some, you know, futuristic weird ass world where they banned all coffee beans. And so you had a cup of Starbucks, and you got caught with your Starbucks, and now you're treated like an addict because you drink Starbucks. Are you kidding me? The people that have to have their Starbucks every day, you know, you talk to them, and they're like, don't even talk to me. I haven't had my Starbucks. Mm -hmm. You know, what's up with that? You know, it's and to say that pod isn't coffee, blah, 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 well, you can say what you want. And, yeah, pod isn't coffee, but caffeine kills more people every year than cannabis does. So what what are we really talking about? Are we talking about safety? Are we talking about what is the thing and isn't the thing? Are we talking about give people some freedom to decide what they put in their own bodies? And it comes down to that. you know. This is supposed to be the land of the free. And if we're not even free to choose whether we smoke or whether we drink a Budweiser, what are we free to do really?
3: Right, and regardless of the freedoms, there will always be people that aren't going to smoke marijuana. There will always be people that have no interest in marijuana. Legalizing isn't going to make everyone a smoker,,
0: yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> you know the you can look you can always draw so many parallels to the alcohol prohibition, where you know, a few people for the greater good decided that no one could drink anymore because a few people let it get out of hand. That didn't really work out so well, did it? No, it didn't. And, you know, people are going to do it anyway. That's the that's the whole goofiness of this night there. People are going to do it anyway. People aren't going to just say, Oh, well, no, our amendment didn't pass. I guess I can't smoke weed. No, people are going to do it. People are going to smoke weed anyway. Many of those people left that night and went home and smoked a fat J. So uh, here's David soul. Uh, he's on the Board of Health. And, Lorian, you were clipping this. Do you want to kind of... Sure. It.
3: Yeah. Um. David Soule's on the board of health, and he is trying to. He actually says word for word that this ordinance has a lot of holes in it, and um, it's funny because Dan Beats has been a lawyer for 28 years working with cannabis stuff, and uh, he was very thorough in his wording. It was a very clear, concise ordinance meant to be simple so that the council men and women would understand it. And um, this man, just David Soul, just starts bringing up these preposterous "what if" questions, and then he starts getting into like nitty, nitty gritty questions. It's just listen.
1: Hello, David Soule, Board of Health. This ordinance is full of holes. Um, how will police officers know what variety of marijuana is being grown? I don't think law enforcement can visually tell the difference if they see one type of plant growing versus the other. How about consuming? <laughs> what uh, other? Can people...
3: <laughs> what, what other? Is, I think he's probably trying to talk about, like, sativas versus indicas or, I mean, I, he, you know.
0: But is the law even differing on that, you know? No. And either way, if you got the weed, you're in trouble. You right, know, even under this
1: ordinance, it's not. We got the weed, you're in trouble. Uh, can people smoke it? Can people vaporize it? No. Nope. Can people eat it? No. Nope. Can people use oil? No. Nope. Where in public restaurants? No. Can they be putting this oil on their salad? No. This ordinance, as it stands, is so full of holes, it just can't stand.
0: These are all so preposterous. You know, every answer is no. Right. Can people run around and put it up their butt and walk down Broadway in the middle of the road and puff a joint at their butt? No. No, none of these things. No. It's still illegal, and uh, you know, at the at the end, uh, um, I'm sorry, Ian Thomas makes the best point of the whole night, which is that we've heard from all these health advisory people who have told us nothing about health. You know, right? Uh, their all their recommendations are, oh, how are they gonna? How are the cops gonna know what's a plant and what's not a plant? Like, it's just an assumption of everyone's stupidity. It's so sad. It's like we're too stupid. To lessen one penalty for one offense in this town, it's it's just so sad. Um, so we have a few; they kind of gathered together strategically. We had a few uh, prohibitionists that all spoke one after another after another, and so we're gonna hear from. Uh, Is uh, this Maureen Coy? Yes. All
9: right.
3: Yeah, Maureen Coy um, talks about the way adult is defined in the ordinance. Um, She believes adults should be defined as anyone 21 and older, which is um, coincidentally what Ginny Chadwick ends up proposing herself for an amendment. Um, I tweeted during the event uh, that I thought this was interesting because Chadwick also has proposed that the age to purchase tobacco in the city of Columbia be raised to 21. Um, also, this Maureen Coy woman, woman, when she introduces herself, she mentions, or she doesn't give her address like everyone else. She just says, Ward 2. I don't know. Just listen.
9: My name is Maureen Coy. Uh, I live in Ward 2. And the part of this that bothers me is the uh, adult language in this. And I'd like to know, uh, how is that really defined? Science confirms that the adolescent brain, particularly the prefrontal cortex that regulates the planning of complex cognitive behavior, personality expression, decision-making, and social behavior is not fully developed until the mid-20s and by passing this law with the language of adult in it you're taking 17 to 21 year olds
0: down a really bad path
3: this is very scripted and um, i mean it's
0: all to further a certain agenda the, right. the these people want to change the definition of adult to be 21 so they can keep kids kids longer so they can tell people what to do longer, so they can, you know, and it's all in the name of sheltering these kids, protect the children, who's going to look out for the children?
3: But it's actually worse for the children, because then if a a 17-year-old boy, let's say, decides that he wants to, you know, get a cannabis plant, and, um, you know, you had to be 21 or older, I mean, now they're still shit out of luck, (laughs) since it didn't pass, but... It would be considered a felony if we excluded adult to people 17 to 20. They would be tri- as a, or tried as adults and right. obtain a felony so for possessing a plant.
0: Basically, the whole argument here, and you know, Chadwick and Thomas kind of have it out at the end of the meeting. We'll play that clip, too. But the, the whole argument was we want to define adult as 21 to protect the children, meaning we want to this, – this ordinance lowers a penalty for a crime. But really we want to protect the children by still giving them felonies if they break this law. what what? that's, that's what you're gonna, that's what you're trying to say to me right now and how, how does that even compute to a rational brain? I am not sure. Uh, next up we had Linda Frost who is another prohibitionist. Uh, I'll just go ahead and play her. I'd also like to share some
2: brain research from the National Institute on Drug Abuse, and there's plenty of it. Marijuana affects
0: brain development, and right, right. So Linda Frost, uh, you know, one of the local prohibitionists, and um, she talks about the NIDA, the National Institute for Drug Abuses, uh, brain. What does she say? Brain studies there, uh, and lo and behold, I just typed a few sentences. Of whatever she was saying into into the googles and up popped up their website and all you see is uh her reading word for word off of this bullet point of the uh nida's anti-marijuana propaganda so you know here you can we'll have a link in the show notes to exactly what she's saying but i kid you not it's pretty much word for word uh off of this website
2: Marijuana affects brain development, and when it's used heavily by young people, its effect on thinking and memory may last a long time or even be permanent. For example, marijuana users who began using in in adolescence revealed substantially reduced connectivity among brain areas responsible for learning and memory. And a very large long-term study in New Zealand showed that people who began smoking marijuana heavily in their teens lost an average of eight IQ points between age 13 and age 38. The lost cognitive abilities were not fully restored in those who quit smoking marijuana as adults.
0: So, you know, for all of you who are maybe on your laptop right now and just can't wait, if you go to drugabuse.gov slash publications slash drug slash marijuana, it's a little drug facts marijuana and the dr- drugabuse.gov tells you all about marijuana and she read you know almost word for word from just a paragraph out of that which is just so you know it tells you a lot about what we're dealing with on these uh uh in in these situations trying to pass these laws you know we're not trying to when when people from our side get up and talk we're not copying and pasting you know, most of us are speaking from our heart. Most of us don't even have a fucking piece of paper in front of us. Okay. You know, we're just saying, look, look up the facts, look up for yourself. You know, we're not trying to read word for word this propaganda from the, the same from the same federal government you're asking us to go to to try to change these laws in the first place. The same government you're copying and pasting off their websites. You know, the the, the talking points to defeat this. It's just kind of a disgusting, vicious cycle that. You know, if they had their way, would never be able to be broken. Uh, the last couple of people here, I think, are also the prohibitionists. But uh, we'll hear from. Uh, this is Claire Slama. She never actually said her name during the uh, hearing, but it's Claire Slama. She's of uh, some some youth board. I can't remember the name of it, but she'll say it here. We'll have a listen.
6: The fact is that when communities reduce marijuana penalties, the drug becomes more available, the perception of harm decreases, and the more youth begin to abuse. This is confirmed by the recent legalization of marijuana in Colorado. The Rocky Mountain High Intensity Drug Trafficking Areas report shows that since decriminalization and legalization in Colorado, the youth drug abuse rate is now 50% higher than the national average.
0: So I'm trying to find the... uh group that she's involved with. But uh basically what she's saying is that uh uh she cites she cites a uh Rocky Mountain High Intensity Drug Trafficking Area drug trafficking area uh proposal or I mean study that's saying that the uh the use rate in Colorado is 51% higher than the national average. Now this I pulled up the report uh, Colorado average for adults was seven point six three percent. That's adults age twenty six plus years, past month marijuana use in twenty so twenty twelve. For adults, seven point six three percent of adults said they use weed in the past month. Uh, <laughs> Colorado was ranked seven in the nation for uh, past month marijuana use among adults, and this fifty one percent higher than the national average. They're they're just talking about a national average that was like 5%, and this is 7%. You know, it's such a small bump, mm. and these numbers are all doomsday numbers, but when you look at the reports, you know, Colorado, yeah, they're going to have a little bit more people who say, yeah, I smoked in the past month on a survey, because they feel safer. You know, there's no way to even know if these numbers are real. How many people would say no on a survey instead of yes, because you know they're afraid of consequences how many people wouldn't even take the survey in the first place if they actually smoked these numbers are already skewed because of legal the legal setup and the legal situation and now you're telling me in colorado the average is 51% higher well yeah i'm sure that more people are comfortable not only just smoking it in general out there but admitting to it you know mm-hmm. so that's not surprising to me that's not saying that's not that doesn't, to me, suggest that use, actual real use has gone up, even. Right. It doesn't necessarily mean that. So I found that very interesting. And, you know, the whole thing to me is just, like, skewing these numbers, or, you know, p- pinching the numbers to make them look more scary than they actually are. It's kind of incredible. And I also actually never even heard of these uh, this program, the, the HIDTA, but it's a it's a, it's a federal program that kind of targets what they call high-intensity drug trafficking areas across the country. So I'm looking at the map now, and there's a little bloop in St. Louis and a little bloop in Kansas City. But uh, for the most part, there's really nothing across the middle of the country. They're looking at, you know, it's real bright all along the border of Mexico, obviously, and in California. Uh, a little stripe in Washington, Oregon scattered around Colorado, scattered around Wyoming, Utah, And then just spots in certain counties across the South. It's kind of strange. It looks pretty random. But uh, this is just another of the out-of-control federal government coming around. You know, the out-of-control federal government who wants to make these arrests, keep these people in prison, profit from this drug being illegal. So let's see what next we have up for the speakers for testimony. Uh, Heather Harlan, and I believe that she's with uh, Phoenix Programs. Heather Harlan is the uh, last prohibitionist we'll hear from, the treatment addiction specialist people.
10: People have spoken to the city council about how marijuana has improved their lives. I'd like to share with you a few stories about people I have seen in my office whose marijuana use as an early age has devastated their futures and their families.
0: You remember this woman?
3: Yeah, I was actually just looking at my article that I wrote uh, before, um, which was entitled, Columbia Residents Say Marijuana Debate Isn't Complicated. Um, This was covering the public hearing for this ordinance, actually, and Heather Harlan was there as one of the prohibitionists speaking against it. In fact, um, she was one of only uh, a handful of prohibitionists there. It looks like maybe only two other people spoke against uh, the ordinance and they were both um concerned with the children now for clarity
0: for clarity this is for the meeting back when in early was this it may?
3: was in may yeah may of last year may, er, of, this may year. of this year mm-hmm. sorry um <laughs> it seems like forever ago i know but um she ended up when she was speaking she brought up a chair with her and it was an empty chair and she decided to go on this little tangent about how that was representing all the people who wouldn't come or who didn't come to the meeting for various reasons, who are against the mar- this ordinance, or who are against, you know, marijuana legalization, essentially. And it was just so ridiculous.
0: Right. So this is a woman who, and she's, she shared the same stories that night that she's about to share here. <laughs> right. Uh, She's been like she says the addiction specialist for however many x amount of years, so she's got her stories down obviously. Uh, and this is just the the biggest red flag bullshit clip of all of them of the uh, of of the prohibitionist speaking because you can really kind of see how dumb this is and you know, the people. Even listening at the city council meeting just can't help but burst into laughter at the ludicrousness of what this woman is saying. So here, I'll start it over. People
10: have spoken to the city council about how marijuana has improved their lives. I'd like to share with you a few stories about people I have seen in my office whose marijuana use as an early age has devastated their futures and their families. Financial resources. I'm a certified... Well, let me stop that right there, actually, because do you hear what she just said, That,
0: that... it's almost like she's forced herself to tell the truth there, that 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 this marijuana has destroyed their family's financial situations. Right. That because of this marijuana, you know, it's costing all them money. And why should she be bitching about that? She gets a lot of that money. That 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 financial devastation is this woman's job. You know, this treatment and this addiction tr- recovery program. That's her job. And so, you know, it's, it's very funny and very fishy when people try to uh, point to this financial devastation and pretend that they want to fight against that because they have a direct profit motive to keep that financial devastation rolling.
10: I'm a prevention specialist, and I have served as a project director and counselor for an adolescent treatment grant. Here are just a few of the dozens of stories. Real people in real time.
3: Just to make that clear, the real people in real time in case there's fake time.
10: Right. I would like to share. I've removed specific identifying information. Joe, sixteen year old client who dreamed of life in the military. Joe had severe ADHD. He maintained the city of Columbia had said marijuana was medicine.
0: Now, really? Are you gonna believe that the that the the kid smoked weed because the city said it was medicine? <laughs> is that I mean honestly are you going to do a little bit more research when this when did the city ever say it was medicine
3: well and I wasn't a kid or I was a kid not that long ago and I didn't pay any attention to city politics
0: right i mean you know? you're going to find out from your friends or from you know what's on tv or from you know high times even before you find out right. from the city government so yeah she maintains that this kid wouldn't have tried weed as medicine if the city didn't tell him to like the city was like Behind some alley in downtown saying, hey, kid, you
9: know, you want to try this medicine, man? Mm-hmm.
0: That's not how it went down, you know? This is, this is all political bullshit. It is, this is not. This is not a real case. This is not being honest. This is not being politically honest.
10: Right. Joe refused to come in regularly for treatment for his marijuana use. Joe, at the age of 18, was sentenced to seven years in prison for violent crime. Betsy. A college student who agreed, you know, marijuana just took over my life. She failed all of her classes in one semester. The financial devastation for that family. There it is again. Jane, a young gymnast who couldn't wait to get out of class to practice her tumbling and her balance beam until her friends gave her pot in middle school.
0: Wait for it. Then the
10: munchies associated with marijuana use contributed to her gaining 25 pounds, and she reported, now I... Now I can't get out. Of, can't wait to get out of class to go smoke dope. You can hear the crowd like, "How is this
0: even a real person right now?" Testify right. like, "Are you joking me?" We're not in sixth grade anymore. We're not at the dare class. Yeah. This is we're a bunch of grown ass adults here. So talk to us like adults. This fantasy. Scenario you're talking about where a kid tried weed because the city told him to is a fantasy fucking scenario. There's no way. This is not this is la la land that's coming out of this woman's mouth. Twenty five pounds from the munchies? Hello, have you heard of the Mizzou twenty two? You know? The, the the dorm food is what gets you fat, not smoking pot. Right. Zero calories from smoking pot. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. People excuse me. Uh, so, you know, to finish it up, we had Jake Loftgum up there and he kind of, uh, sets a lot of it straight, which I really, uh, respected him like waiting for the end because you know, when I'm at these council meetings and I'm totally unprepared and I don't have anything written down, I'm not taking notes, I'm not doing anything, I'm not even planning to speak. And then I get, you know, a wild hair and I go up and speak, uh, oftentimes I'm like one of the first to speak because... You know this these public comments these public hearings go on and on and on and on, and these are all twenty five to forty eight second clips that we're showing with sharing with you guys, but everyone had three minutes to speak, so everyone had three full minutes, and then they had McDavid banging on the gavel at him every time that they said something he didn't like or that you know people clapped in the background or anything uh You had people cutting you off right at three minutes, not really actually listening to what you were saying, but just watching the clock tick down. And it's just kind of a gross process. But for for Jake to be able to wait it out, he could tell it was kind of getting toward the end, and he stood up and kind of addressed some of the nonsense that had been going on. Uh, it, was, it was a powerful statement. So let's listen to Jake.
4: I've heard a lot of concerns from the public today, and uh, I think we're getting a little bit on the wrong track. A lot of the concerns I've heard tonight would be a little bit more appropriate if we were in the middle of a hearing discussing complete marijuana legalization which is not what we're doing. This is, just so the public is aware, this is just to decriminalize cultivation of marijuana, not legalize it. People are not going to all of a sudden start growing a garden of marijuana plants. Concerns people have been having related to increased teen usage and confusion among police, those are likely the same concerns they had in 2004 when we originally decriminalized marijuana. If we look at history, it appears that those really haven't been huge problems in the community. If this new ordinance does pass, hardly anything will change. Like, the way the community functions, the way the police handle these marijuana situations will be exactly the same as they were before.
0: So this is just kind of like a everyone calm down. You know, everyone just chill out. We've already done this before. In 2004, we did the same thing. The only thing that we're doing is we're adding cultivation. That one thing, we're adding cultivation, and we're going to reduce the penalty. If we catch you, the penalty is reduced. No. If Highway Patrol or if Dwayne Carey's Sheriff's Department or if MUPD catches you, they can do with you what you will. But the city council doesn't have control over what they do ever, do they? No, they don't. No. The city council has control of what CPD does. And if you think that lowering that penalty for everyone the CPD busts wouldn't help a lot of people, you're crazy. I mean, this is already in place... This isn't in place to get more people to grow. This isn't in place for any of that. This isn't in place for the people who are out there. The people who are trying to help their dying sister. Who are probably not going to listen to the goddamn laws. Who are probably brave enough to face a felony to help their dying sister. To help that guy, you know, should he get busted. Or people who are helping him, you know, to say, you know, you don't deserve a felony. You don't deserve the end of the world. And, you know... all these people agree that the, the the legalization has to come eventually, that the laws need to change, that they're antiquated, that they're outdated. So if you believe that, then, then why are you saying you have no power to do anything about it? Why did you even run for city council in the first place? If that's your belief, that you can't do anything as a city council person, then why? Why be one? Why run? If city
3: council didn't have any powers, there wouldn't be a city council.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) There wouldn't be a need for it, you know? And we wouldn't be asking you to pass this law if we didn't think it would help. Right. So public testimony kind of wrapped up. And, you know, there's plenty more people that spoke. There's, like I said, (laughs) probably over 30. I don't have the exact number, but, you know, we kind of cut down to... The real roots of all the issues brought up by both sides, and like I said, the the one that was beat over our heads over and over from the chief of police on down was that it, the conflict with state law, and you can't make different laws. You know, well, what's a parking ticket cost in Kansas City? Probably not the same as what it costs here in Columbia. Probably not the same as what it costs downtown St. Louis. You know, these are all the same thing. It's an ordinance violation, parking, illegal parking, and you're going to have different people catching you giving you a different fine for it depending on where you are it's not confusing it's not it's how our system works it's how the law works it's how america is set up you know so to pretend like this is confusing what the hell are you doing in politics get out <laughs> right get out of that chair let someone else who understands what's going on sit in that chair right. it's ridiculous to hear these people who expect us to respect them and take them seriously coming at us with this you know mm-hmm. so um uh, After that, they had discussion, and what what ended up going down was a few different things. Uh, Scala, again, was very reluctant to support the whole bill because he didn't want to support the recreational side of it. He only wanted to change cultivation penalties for those with medical needs. And uh, he ended up trying to go about it, but the way he tried to go about it, which uh, we'll get to in a minute, I'm not even sure if I have a clip of it, but what he tried to do was to strike the entire – you remember the whole we have one ordinance with two sections, right? Well, he, he moved to strike the second section, uh, which didn't pass, which uh, lost his support. If he would have struck the second section, then he would have voted yes. Now, if they had been able to separate these, which was the discussion, and a lot of people I – don't, I don't know how they lost this in the discussion, but if they would have been able to separate these – and have one vote on adding cultivation to the first section of this ordinance for the medical people, and then have mm-hmm. a completely separate vote on reducing the penalty for the, and adding cultivation to the reduced penalty for recreational. Then what would have happened was you would have Scala on 4-3, and that first one would have passed. Right. And the second one wouldn't have passed. So you would have kind of something. And it's, you know, in hindsight, after having analyzed this over the past week, uh, I guess it would have been better than the nothing that we ended up getting. But uh, at the same time, Jenny Chadwick, at the end, hijacks the entire ordinance to define adult as 21, to push her own bullshit agenda, to push her own uh, to- upcoming tobacco agenda, which, you know, thankfully Barbara Hobby and everyone else called her out on that up on the floor. Mm-hmm. But she passed that only to, you know, have the whole thing fail and vote against it anyway. So, I'm going to give you some clips sort of to give you guys an idea of where each of these people are standing on these issues and sort of what went down, uh, starting with Barbara, who was the one that proposed it in the first place.
9: So, presently, um, under city ordinance, if you buy 35 grams or less of marijuana from a drug dealer, you are guilty of a misdemeanor with a maximum fine of $250. That's what our law is
0: now. And, you guys, I tried to clean this clip up a bit, but, like, you know, this is how she's talking. And I can't really, like, take out every porky pig stutter. You know, it's just it's just in there. So here we go. We um, know when people
9: buy marijuana from a drug dealer, we know for certain three things. The three things are they are more likely to be exposed to crime and violence that occurs with drug dealing in general. And we've heard testimony and um, about a mor- murder case. Uh, And that happens fairly regularly. Um, They are exposed to drug dealers who push them to use and buy more marijuana and push them to buy even stronger drugs. So the the interaction with dealers in and of itself is very detrimental. And it increases the use of marijuana and it increases the use of other substances. and then an additional risk with purchasing um, marijuana from a drug do- dealer is that they don't know what they're getting, and the drug can be contaminated with highly toxic and dangerous substances.
0: So basically, Barb, uh, what Barb's saying is, you know, totally rational uh, reason to to support all this. Um, basically, you don't want it. We don't want to be pushing people toward the black market to get, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever they think they need. Uh, We don't want the punishment to be a felony if you grow your own, but a misdemeanor slap on the wrist if you go buy it from a drug dealer. Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, if we're doing this from a public safety, public health perspective, from a scientific approach, from a fair approach, then why would growing some plants in your basement— be a felony, and going and buying it from a drug dealer, be just a slap on the wrist, you know. And she's trying to even these laws out, which is a noble uh, cause. Now, Michael Trap also uh, gave a pretty impassioned defense of this uh, of this bill. So, I'll let you listen to Michael Trapp.
11: You know, we don't—we can't decide state and federal policies, but we can set the policies for the city of Columbia, and we can direct our staff to follow um, directives, and that is within our power. And right now, we have this situation where we're going to send people to prison for five to 15 years for for growing a plant. That it reminds me of the argument that I'm hearing from the preventionist side is that we have to sacrifice these select individuals so that we can show everyone that marijuana is bad and that we can protect our children from harm, we're going to send people to prison. That's insane. That's the same argument of the Vietnam War. We must destroy the village in order to save it. This, this, this ordinance that we're looking to excise Is the part of it that's not feel-good. It's the part that might actually change the facts on the ground. Not for everybody because we're not the only um, institution that enforces laws within our city limits. And we can't do anything beyond set our policies and say this is what we're going to do as a city. In order to grow marijuana, it's not just putting seeds in the ground, but it's a technologically sophisticated procedure that involves expensive equipment, obtaining clones or or seeds somehow, and then going through this process. No one's going to go into this blind finally, naively thinking, well, in Columbia, marijuana is legal.
3: I think it's worth noting that um, Michael Trapp has experience as a uh, substance abuse advisor. So he has seen the same cases as the prohibitionists that are speaking at this meeting. Um, And I really appreciate him talking from the heart on this. He got very impassioned, and that's just, it's so... It's, uh, it's refreshing to see that in a council person.
0: For sure. And now uh, next up is Ian Thomas. And uh, you might, by the way, have heard Michael Trapp talking about uh, uh, the, the part we're going to excise. Uh, that was during discussion, so Carl Scala had already proposed his amendment to strike number two. And so he was saying, you know, if we strike this second section... That's not really gonna. That's not really gonna change as much as having both of those sections. This law is going to actually make a change for people and be, you know, more powerful. Because if you just leave the medical thing in there, how many people are going to be able to I- obtain medical recommendation in state? Not very many. I mean, we don't really know of that many right now. And so, if you reduce the penalty for both, then, you know, this guy who testified, you know, going back to the guy who has the sister with cancer. You know, if he doesn't have a piece of paper signed by a physician, the courts aren't going to care that he was using it for medical purposes. They, they want proof, you know. And without being able to obtain that proof, he's going to still have that felony. Whereas, if you pass both sections, proof or not, you're growing it for medical purposes and you're going to be charged no matter what, you know. So, uh, he did make an important point, and I, I think it was important that he didn't bend on that. The only two people that, uh, I think, voted for the Scala Amendment were Carl Scala and Mayor McDavid. Mm-hmm. And everyone else was opposed. Uh,
3: I think you're right. I'm not totally sure on that, though.
0: So here's Ian Thomas uh, talking a little bit about what, what his feelings are on it. I
12: think there is some concern about the conflict with state law, uh, um, and um, I, I just I think we just have to take that chance and work through, because on balance, I think that the benefits to bringing these penalties down, at least in what little jurisdiction we have, are much greater than those those two concerns.
0: And, you know, he's exactly right. Like, you know, there might be these conflicts, and we might not be able to lower the penalties for everyone in the state, but... We're not politicians with power to do that for everyone in the state. We're city councilmen and city councilwomen. So, what can we do? We can reduce the penalties within the city. Hello. That's our job. You know, it's just like the fact that some people just didn't understand that. Now here's Laura Nausser and she's just going to repeat that and you'll you'll hear her get called out by everyone else on the on the council about, you know, No, we're not saying this is okay for children. And it's it's the same old tired argument of what about, what are we saying? What message are we sending to the children? This is not a message. You send a message on Facebook, okay? Passing laws has real consequences. These are the legal restraints under which we live. It's not a message to our children. It's the law. It's what happens when you do X, this, Y happens. Is it fair? Right now it's not fair. And we're trying to make it more fair. It still wouldn't be fair under the wa- under the new law, but it would be a lot better, and it would save people a lot of hassle and a lot of financial devastation and, you know, future employment, all of that kind of thing. So here's Laura Nauser.
2: No matter how you want to slice it, no matter how you want to look at it, the city is passing an ordinance that's contrary to state statute. We can base our laws on Chillicothe, but... I don't live in Chillicothe. I live in Columbia.
0: Now, she mentions Chillicothe because uh, earlier in the meeting, one of the points that Barbara Hoppy made was that there's already a law in Chillicothe on the books, similar to this one, only more liberal, where they talk about reducing the penalty for manufacture <coughs> of any controlled substances, I'm pretty sure. Um, but it's just a city law. And uh, outside the city doesn't apply, obviously. Outside the city, Chillicothe. So then, of course, many prohibitionists kept coming back, making the jokes like, Oh, well, yeah, if you consider Chillicothe to be the go-to people on making city laws, you know, and just kind of shitting on Chillicothe or saying, I don't live in Chillicothe. Well, no, but, you know, hopefully you'd like your laws to be a little better than Chillicothe's. Right now, your laws are shittier than Chillicothe's. What does that say about you as, as a city? That's, that's embarrassing to me. Right. You know, as a resident, as a first-word voting participating person in this whole silly thing. That to me is embarrassing. Yeah, there are so many holes
2: and so many problems with this ordinance and what we're going about doing. It is sending a complete mixed message to the people in this community and especially the children of our community. You can't buy alcohol, you can't buy a cigarette until you're over eighteen, but you can certainly go out and grow pot. No, you can't.
9: You, know, you, know, no, you can't. So you've got fined two hundred fifty dollars.
0: See, so you know. She's saying that there's this mixed message that you can – that kids can't go out and buy beer, that kids can't go out and buy cigarettes, but kids can grow plants. And immediately everyone jumped in and said, no, kids can't. Neither can adults. Neither can anyone. It's still illegal. We are lowering a penalty for something that is still illegal. It's about the penalty. It's not about changing the legality of any goddamn thing. And – I swear you couldn't beat this into their heads with a sledgehammer. You couldn't. Like, there was just no getting through to the thickness of these people's skulls on that one single tiny point. It's so incredibly frustrating. So you'll hear she actually does have to, when confronted with four people at the same time, have to admit that, yeah, it's still illegal. But still, she's going to stick to that opinion
12: not legalizing
0: okay
2: so it's not completely legal but it certainly does not hold the weight of the current statutes that want to dissuade people from engaging in the consumption of marijuana
0: yeah it doesn't hold the weight of a 5 to 15 year prison sentence it doesn't hold the weight of a felony conviction it doesn't hold the weight of destroying your life far more than any plant would far more than any uh kid even getting a hold god everyone talks about the children whoopty shit About the children who might find a joint and smoke it. I know plenty of people who started younger than I did. Who are just normal ass people. A a good deal of them who don't even smoke anymore. Today. You know? The the idea that a a poor kid might smoke a joint. I, you know, and I know that everyone within normal and everyone within, you know, an official title and, you know, an official spokesman has been saying, like... You know, we're we're not for kids. We're not for kids using it, and we're not. And kids don't need to be using it. But that's a parent's responsibility. That's not the state's responsibility to come in and say, "Oh, you know, I'm in charge of your child." That's your, you know, that's your mom and dad. My mom and dad wouldn't, have, you know, put up with me smoking weed. And my mom and dad didn't know I when I smoked weed. I didn't. I didn't let them know. You know, that's between a parent and a child. And that's not, you know, to 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 sit there and pretend. That I'm going to send you to prison for 5 to 15 years because I want to help you, because I want to protect you, because I don't want you ruining your life. It's a fucking joke, and we need to get away from it. We need to put that behind us. We need to stop pretending like all of these harsh penalties and prison sentences and rehabilitation programs, none of which work, none of which work, are actually helping our kids. It's a bullshit argument. And it's actually doing the opposite. You're harming our kids. You're putting more rebelliousness in our kids. You're putting more disinformation in their minds. And when they actually, God forbid, go against what you told them, because what do kids do? Many of them, they'll go against what you tell them to do just to try it. When they do that and find out that the sky doesn't fall around their ears that they don't have to go to the hospital, that nothing bad actually happens, that they actually had a more fun time with their friends than they had in a long time, then what? Then what? Then you lost them all together. Then good fucking luck telling them anything. They're not going to believe you. Right. It's ridiculous. And if these people really cared about the kids, they would be trying to help in real ways.
3: Yeah, I mean, it just takes honesty. These people have no idea what marijuana even does. I'm sure, you know... Someone said it earlier, but these I think it was the man who's trying to get it for his sister who's, you know, a cancer patient. Most of these people haven't even smoked a joint. So it's just, you know, I'm not sure how to get through to them. I'm not sure how to, you know inform them that they need to be doing this research themselves in some way. My
0: philosophy isn't everyone needs to smoke weed. I mean, quite the opposite. Like, there's many, many... Most people don't ever need to smoke weed. Most people don't like it. Whatever. You know, you don't need to drink coffee. You don't need to have a beer. You don't need any of this. But what you do need is the freedom to decide for yourself what the fuck you need. What you need is the freedom to choose. The freedom to say, okay, I'm going to do this because this works. I don't need... The president of the United States telling me what's good for me. I don't need the governor of my state telling me what's good for me. I don't need the mayor of my city telling me what's good for me. I'll figure that out on my, on my own. Because I've already got all these conflicting opinions throughout national, state, and city levels. I've already got conflicting laws. I've already got conflicting opinions. Everything changes. Science finds new studies. Science finds new things. This and that. I have to make my own way in this world. Just like all of you have to make your own decisions about this. You have to do your own research. You have to form your own opinion, God forbid. And, you know, that's a big part of what this was tonight. And that's a big uh, source of frustration for us is we just want the right to be able to decide for ourselves. And, you know, maybe we find out, you know, weed isn't good for us or da- it's dangerous to us. And then we stop and then we feel better because we stopped and it was our decision and we came to that conclusion, you know. It's just like – it gets me so worked up, honestly. So Chadwick, we get to the end of the meeting, right, and they're about to call roll on the final vote, and then Chadwick comes out of nowhere with this.
5: So a discussion on the original ordinance, two sections for it. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead.
13: I would like to propose another amendment um, so one thing that I continue to hear and, and something that I have the biggest problem with is the definition of adult in the ordinance it's it's undefined and um, what we continue to hear that we're worried about putting our youth at risk and that brain development occurs um, especially in that 18 um, to the mid 20 year old range so to, to define adult as 21 years old in the ordinance um, to continue to protect the youth and make sure that they don't perceive this um, confusion as the legalization of marijuana.
12: So, Jeannie, are you saying you would want to preserve the felony conviction status for people under 21? I would like to to define
13: adult as 21, yes.
12: So there would be a more harsh penalty for under-21s than over-21s.
0: So, you know, Thomas is pointing out how stupid that is. (laughs) <laughs> you want to protect children by sending them to prison, even though you're not going to send adults to prison. That's what you're trying to say right now. And really, it was a political move. It was just to push her agenda for well, adults as 21, the the tobacco thing she's about to pass. Which, if she thinks she's going to get support from other people by this kind of political dicking around with their amendments, do uh, you think Barbara Hoppy's going to support her amendment now? I wouldn't – if I was Barbara Hoppe, I would be like, hell no, I'm not supporting your fucking amendment. Look what you did to mine, you know? Right. And And uh, this woman is not making friends, you know? This woman is not making friends, and she's not listening to her constituents. Uh, when she ran, she had the support of many of the libertarians in town and many of the pro-legalization people in town, you know? Uh, I, I know people in the legalization in town who sent money to her campaign. I am a first world voter, you know, I, I'm one of the fucking, I'm one of the Chadwick voters, okay? And what she told us to compel us to vote for her, among many things, was that she would support lower penalties for cultivation. This exact specific ordinance that we're talking about right now, she voiced her support for it on the campaign trail, it was one of her campaign promises. And so tonight, she breaks this promise. And not only does she break promise, she breaks faith with all of her constituents, all of her first ward constituents, by saying, no, I sided with the cops, I sided with the prevention specialists, I sided with all of these people who don't live in my ward who didn't vote for me. And now listen to this, Chadwick is another person that thinks that you're too dumb for this law to pass.
13: You know, I hear from a lot of students, and they they truly, the talk is, oh, we're legalizing the growing of two plants in Columbia, Missouri. That's what, the rumor on campus, you can shake your head, Barbara, but the rumor on campus. And this
0: grossness, you can shake your head, but the rumor on campus is, really, you're going to base your decision, your you're going to base your vote at city council as a city council person, one of seven in this city of 100,000 people. You're one of seven people who has a vote on the city council, and you're going to base your vote on rumors on campus? Are we at the fucking cheerleader's locker room here? What is going on? This is so ridiculous that the rumors on campus is what I'm basing my opinion on, that because there's rampant rumors on campus or because, you know, maybe maybe Ginny Chanwick's friends are dumb. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe she has dumb friends. But, you know, at the end of the day, what is this law going to do? And, you know, because people are confused, it doesn't change what the law does. And it's not a reason to not pass it.
3: Right. And um, Chadwick gave her reason for not passing it out on social media as um, just going with the recommendations of. Quote every health advisory board in Columbia, um, so basically she says, "Oh, well, you know they 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 persuaded me." That's basically what she's admitting. Since on her campaign she right.
0: was for this, so she just you know with a big middle finger to all of us who voted for her and gave her money for her campaign goes against what she promised in the in the, in the camp. And it's not like she learned anything groundbreaking no. over those six months. Give me a break. The ordinance was already proposed, you know, the, the ordinance has already been talked about. The The whole um, cultivation thing had already been discussed at that point. And that's why it was a question on her campaign trail. That's why we asked her. That's why we made sure. And everyone running for that seat was in favor of this. And somehow, yeah. out of three people that ran, and three people who all supposedly supported this ordinance, when it came down to the vote, first ward did not vote with this ordinance which is ridiculous first ward would as far as the constituents are concerned most of the support for this ordinance comes from the first ward it comes from the students on campus and it comes from the people downtown it comes from people like myself who are still townies here who can't afford to live in the fancier wards who you know pay rent in an apartment in the first ward this is where i live and if you think that People are going to let this slide in the first ward. You're crazy. These are, the, these are the most grassroots, politically active people in town. These are the people who are marginalized already. These are the people who are used to not having a good representation, not having someone who voices their opinions on the city council anyway, right? Yeah. And, you know, this is just the straw that broke the camel's back. She's already proposed banning alcohol in Douglas Park which is a total racist move, anyone who knows anything about Columbia and our parks and Douglas Park and why you would single that one out to ban alcohol in that one but not ban alcohol in any other park is because you're afraid of black people. That There's no other rational explanation of that. There there isn't. There really isn't. There's crimes in all other parks. There's kids falling off cliffs in Flat Branch Park. Or, I mean, in uh, uh, Stevens, Lake at Stevens Lake Park. There's kids falling off of cliffs, getting a helicopter rides the to the hospital, get their head put back together. <laughs> I mean, and you're gonna say, well, that's okay. We don't need to ban alcohol in that park, just Douglas Park. Right. Well, what's what's special about Douglas Park that's not you know? And the only thing that I can that this town can see, look at it. Th- that's where the black people go, you know, and that's where poor people go, and that's where the marginalized of society go, and you know. To to hammer on this to hammer on this Douglas Park thing for a little bit, Lorian pointed this out is that many people live in Section Eight housing or government provided housing, and they cannot legally have alcohol on the premise. Is this is correct. They right. can't consume alcohol on the premise,
3: right? And they have a uh, housing authority that comes around and you know probably does checks and stuff to make sure that that's enforced. But we also you can't have an open container on a uh, on public property right right out in public so um where else would they go uh douglas park is a hop skip and a jump behind the section 8 housing and it allows alcohol so they can go hang out and drink you know
0: it's like you're telling me that you're taking away my only place i have left to have a beer because the government already came in and told me i can't have it in my living room then the government comes in and says i can't sit out on my porch or sit out on the sidewalk and drink it so i'm gonna go to douglas park where I can sit down with my friends, come together as a community, and have a beer.
3: Well, and they just want to push them to have to go downtown and drink at bars, which is absolutely ludicrous. That's the goal here.
0: And, uh, you know, after that whole thing, she she did that whole thing. She did the uh, proposal, which still hasn't voted on, but you can bet that there's going to be way more opposition to that now. The ludicrous proposal to raise the purchasing age of tobacco in this town to 21 Like, are you kidding me? So I'm a freshman coming here from Texas, say. You get a lot of Texas freshmen. Or shit, from Kansas City even. You know? And I'm coming to Mizzou. And I've been a smoker for three months because whoopty shit. I turned 18. I thought it was cool that I could smoke now. And then I get to Columbia where I'm going to college and trying to be all an adult and stuff. And they're telling me I can't buy cigarettes. (laughs) Think about that. You're a freshman. You've been buying cigarettes. Three, five, seven months or whatever, however long you've been 18. And then you go to the no gas and you try to buy a pack of cigarettes and you're like, you know, can I see your ID? Said, sure. You can see my ID. Hand him your ID. Now what? Now are you are you in trouble for attempting to purchase underage even though you're overage? You know, this is just such a ludicrous proposal to her law. and And I might point out conflicting with state law. You know, the state says 18 for tobacco. All (laughs) the other cities say 18 for tobacco. If you want to talk about a fucking conflict, there you go. There it is. That one. And so this, the, uh, all of her arguments seem to start to fall apart. You see her agenda. You see she's a health, a health student. She's trying to pad her resume. This is all just career oriented. She doesn't give a shit about you in the first ward, what your opinion is, what, what you're going through. She doesn't care she's working for her resume she's working for Jenny Chadwick's resume and that's it no one else
3: right and we don't have to stand for this you know and we the people need to see her for who she really is you know and recall her so
0: we definitely have a strong recall Chadwick uh movement going right now but we're going to play out the uh, the rest of this uh the rest of this meeting and uh we're going to play out the rest of this Chadwick-thinks-you-are-dumb clip and kind of show you what happened at the end of the meeting.
13: Is that Tonight we are voting to legalize the growing of two plants. I know that's not what we're doing, but people are not that savvy to understand the full ordinance.
0: See, people are not that savvy to understand. People are too stupid for us to be able to change this law. That's, that's the take-home message. That's such a quitter argument. Uh, now here's Michael Trapp, who... Reluctantly said he would support this ridiculous adults are 21 amendment so that we could pass this law and help out. And he already realized that most of the people are over 21 anyway who this law would affect. You know, it's not like a bunch of students are going to start growing pot either way. You know, like Dan said, and you see Dan, I mean, his name is in the high times when you look him up. That's how we found him freshman year, you know, when my friends got busted. He's in he's like the guy you call when you get in trouble with weed. And so for him to say he's never heard of a case of students growing weed in the dorms in thirty almost thirty years of practice, that's a powerful statement. That to me says, Well, if the guy who would be the first to know if anyone was trying to grow says no one ever has, there's no one growing pot. I never when I was a you know, when I was a kid in the dorms, living in the dorms, I, there was barely anybody that smoked weed, let alone tries to grow it in their closet. Are <laughs> right. you kidding me? No. And there's TAs running around at all times. Like, <laughs> like, give me a break. So Trapp kind of reluctantly says he'll support this uh, amendment. Hoppy and Thomas, everyone who wants to uh, pass this uh, ordinance, said they would reluctantly support the Chadwick Amendment.
11: Ms. Chadwick's amendment that that could pass. And I think without Miss Chadwick's amendment, it's not going to pass. So if we're going to substantially change drug policy in Columbia tonight, it's only going to be with the passage of Ms. Chadwick's amendment, which I will uh, reluctantly support.
0: So that's Michael Trapp, and then here's uh, Hoppy and Ian Thomas.
11: In
9: order not to gut the entire bill, we need four votes. It's my reading that you have to vote on the 21 in order to get the bill passed. (laughs) The 21 amendment. I mean... So I'm not in I favor mean, of that, but...
12: I it, Yeah, if that's really the way it is. I
0: think that's the way it is. And so the discussion comes around, and everyone kind of defeatedly admits that, wow, if we don't pass Jenny's little amendment here, then we got no shot at passing this thing. And you listen, listen carefully to how Chadwick says this. It will be just a very flawed bill. Here it is. Yeah,
13: I mean, I've been really clear that I have multiple issues with the bill, but if it does pass, I would want it to pass in the way of 21.
0: I've been clear I have multiple issues with the bill, but if it does pass, I'd want it to pass with the 21 amendment, basically. is what she's saying. Still. Still not giving her support. Or denying her support. Still leaving it open. Still playing political weasel games. With everyone in the city, not just the not just dicking around with the city council, not just taking this ordinance hostage, she's playing games with everyone in this city and especially the ward one people, especially the people who she is elected to represent so now you hear uh so that passed the adult amendment passed four to three um and then you hear. These two, uh, Ian Thomas and Michael Chap, give their final kind of support pitch for the, for the law before the vote.
12: Uh, well, I'll vote for it. Um, the Board of Health did come up with several concerns, some of which were addressed by reducing the maximum number of plants from six to two. But it's interesting that none of the concerns brought up by the Board of Health had anything to do with health. Um, <laughs> and,
0: and see, there's that point that we talked about earlier. None of the the points they brought up had anything to do with health. And that's the only reason they were even called in to have an opinion on the damn thing. And they're going to try and talk about enforcement. They're going to try and talk about, well, what the police are going to do. What do they know about that? They're the Board of Health, right? Right. They're the Board of Health. Talk to me about the health. Talk to me about actual adverse effects. Talk to me about efficacy of medical marijuana. Talk to me about is this more dangerous than alcohol, less dangerous than alcohol, tobacco, caffeine? Talk to me about that. That's what I want to hear from the Board of Health. Not about how this law is going to be confusing because I'm not a legal scholar. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not... You know, I'm, a, I'm a doctor, you know? Well, good. The, the law probably should confuse you at least a little bit if you're not a lawyer. The law is a confusing thing. There was never... You know, if... if if the confusion of a law mattered on whether or not it passed, we'd have a hell of a lot less laws in this country and in this state and in this city. You know that's that's not a that's not a loophole that you have to jump through. Is does it have to make sense? You know. And after having said that, this law makes perfect sense. The, the confusion is manufactured. Right. The 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 confusion is trying to make this law what it wasn't. And the only thing it did was reduce a certain penalty for breaking a certain law, and I can't stress that enough. These people – I mean they took three hours out of the meeting to stress that enough. So here's uh, uh, the rest of Thomas, and then I'll go right into trap.
12: Um, They were to do with legality and interpretation – um, and, and I haven't heard a really strong argument that that's going to be a killer problem with this. And I think that we have a killer problem with our current situation. Um, so on, on balance, I think this is a, uh, an improvement.
11: Is using marijuana worse than going to prison for five years? Is marijuana worse than having a felony conviction? I don't think so. The only sensible thing we can do to best protect our citizens as best we can, we have the ability to say that we must continue uh, to prosecute individuals who cultivate for felonies so that um, because somebody else might, that, that doesn't make sense to me.
0: And now we have Chadwick speak up in the discussion. Literally minutes, a minute. Before the final vote, after three hours of basically everyone banging their head against a brick wall, and after her little come-out-of-nowhere-and-hijack-the-ordinance-for-her-own-political-purposes... This is what Chadwick decides to say right before the Actually,
13: photo. I want to speak first before we call the roll. I didn't propose the 21 to gain my support. I proposed it so that if it did pass, that the youth in our community were protected. But um, we have an ordinance that still conflicts with state and federal law. We can't make an ordinance with lesser punishment to be recognized by the state. There's no reason to put an ordinance forth that doesn't really exist. We're creating something that can't ever actually happen until the state law changes, which is what we continue to say. And so I will not support this ordinance.
0: And there you, she's just in la-la land saying we can't pass an ordinance that wouldn't exist. Hello. (laughs) Were you not listening to everyone point to the 2004 ordinance that still exists, that has been on the books for a decade, that has been touted in national news as working, as a step in the right direction. Apparently not. And and if you were there, folks, to just hear the collective like, sigh of exasperation after sitting through three hours of this nonsense, and that is the, you know, right there, right before the final vote, she finally reveals that she's not even going to vote for the whole thing anyway, and here's the roll. Okay, please call the roll. Council
13: 7414 as amended, Ms. Nauser? No. Ms. Hoppe? Yes. Mr. McDavid? No. Mr. Chadwick? No. Mr. Trapp? Yes. Mr. Scala? No. Mr. Thomas?
12: Yes.
5: What's the vote? 4-3 Four, three Four, three three against. Three. Right. Ten minute resource.
0: And, yeah, they called a 10-minute recess because what are you going to do, you know? Like, how are you going to get these people the hell out without, you know? We're all sitting there. We're very angry. We're very, you know, like, this. just all this came out of nowhere. And Chadwick was a vote that we thought we had since April or May or whenever, you know, she went on the record saying we had the vote. We figured we had the vote. And, you know... Politically, this is just political suicide, in my opinion. This this move by her was the final straw. It is a clear indication that she does not care about the ward she's uh, elected represent. to represent, and so uh, many of the people in the in the first ward are uh, driving a uh, recall petition. And we want to get a recall vote for the upcoming November election. So uh, if you're listening to this right now, we don't have a lot of time to gather those signatures. It's about 280 is the number, something like Mm -hmm. that. Uh, Less than 300 signatures that we need to get it on the ballot. If you go to www.facebook.com slash firechadwick, uh, then you can find our like page. Already our like page has more than Jenny Chadwick's actual politician-like page. So uh, we must be doing something right. But what we're trying to do is get enough signatures that we can put a recall question on the ballot and then actually recall her in the election. So, uh, basically, we want to send a strong message that you can't just come in and break campaign promises. But more importantly, you know, for us in the legalization movement, you you can't ignore this issue. This issue has people behind it. This issue has passion behind it. This issue finally has money behind it. And great fundraising efforts have been started... Uh, within the past year, couple of years, you know, in this state. Um, and, you know, the grassroots is finally figuring out that money talks and bullshit walks, especially in politics, more than, you know, anywhere else. And so, you know, if you guys can uh, take a look at Show Me Cannabis, or take a look at legalization efforts in your area, find one, get involved, go to yourself, and you know, don't be afraid to send them 50 bucks. Don't be afraid to send them 100 bucks. Cut a check, you know. Um, you're hammered from left and right, with all of these asks for political contributions and blah blah blah, but why why not? Why would you not support something that you really fully truly believe in? And you know, this is the next thing. This is the next big movement. And you know, we already see states falling. Uh, here we see we're going to see Oregon maybe pass in November. We're going to see a lot of other states with medical and full legalization questions on the ballots. It's only a matter of time. So you know, get involved and do something about it. Uh, the reason that the laws are the way they are right now. Is because people donate to keep them that way, you know. While you're saying I can't afford it, those other people are saying we can't afford not to give. And that is what makes them win, politically. If you understand that even, you know, even on my modest budget, you know, as as a minimum wage worker, I still can't afford not to just chip in even 20 bucks a year whenever I get it, you know. uh, Send this organization or that organization. Send... I've sent 20 bucks to Arrowhead before, you know, because I think that they provide a valuable resource. I've sent money to Show Me Cannabis. I've sent money to National Normal, to MU Normal. You know, I show up to fundraisers, to concerts, to dinners, to, to auctions, this kind of thing. All of that is going to be, by and large, the best support that you can give. Um, so, anyway, be sure that you like that on Facebook. Uh, Facebook.com slash Fire Chadwick. And, uh... Look for more episodes of Bull After Bull to come up. Uh, Lauren, did you have anything you want to say to wrap up sort of the show today?
3: Um, no, I mean, I think it's important to uh, be paying attention to this wherever you live, even if you're not in Columbia, Missouri. Uh, pay attention to the little local grassroots because, you know, anyone that's speaking up on the issue is making national news because the issue is finally gaining the attention that it deserves. Um, and hopefully we will see legalization in a very short time, um, but tune into bowl after bowl when we have our next episodes. We'll be uh, expand expanding our horizons to hopefully, I think, national marijuana oriented news, not just local stuff. Um, so, you know, if you don't live in Colombia, we'll get you caught up on what you got to know.
0: So that's all for us today. Thanks you guys so much for tuning in. We're glad to be back on the interwebs. Uh, like us on Facebook. You can find us at. Uh, uh, just search bowl after bowl, and uh, make sure that you're tweeting hashtag uh, recall chadwick you can facebook hashtag recall chadwick make sure you sign the petition make sure you like it on facebook that's right. all for us uh we'll see you next time guys